Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast hosted by Invisible. Invisible Technologies is a fascinating company. Uh, we essentially make complex business problems disappear. So we partner with you, we figure out what your operations are, we figure out what your processes are, we figure out what your team doesn't like to do, and we basically do that better, faster, cheaper. Uh, but this isn't specifically about what we do, it's also the philosophy behind why we do it. So this show really gets into what makes Invisible tick. Uh, who are the key players at Invisible? Who are the key players outside of Invisible who enjoy our work? Um, what are all the things that are going on inside of Invisible? What a podcast does, it allows you to find out things that you normally wouldn't be able to find out. So it's like a fireside chat that's basically decentralized and anybody can listen to it at all times. So we really invite you to uh, listen and subscribe if you really like these episodes. And as always, you can reach out to anybody on the Invisible team. Uh, our website is invisible.co uh, and we're happy to have you here. Welcome to the Plain Sight Podcast. My guest today is Cameron Polisbon. He is the head of strategy of AI training uh, and one of the original co-founders of Invisible Technologies. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Stuart. Happy to be here. For those of our listeners who don't know, what exactly is AI training? AI training is uh, really about giving human feedback to AI models to uh, improve. Uh, at Invisible, this is emphasized with a lot of foundational models. So we're partnered directly with uh, uh, companies that are creating some of the kind of world's leading edge uh, foundational models, and we're training those with human feedback. Um, and, uh, and then there's also some amount of this of saying, okay, how do you deploy these foundational models um, to real world use cases? And, and there's some amount of training that tends to go on top of, on top of that as well. How do you feel about this idea of synthetic data and uh, having the models train themselves? Do you think that that's going to actually exist? Uh, and do you think it will replace AI training? Or do you think that the human will will be a found foundational, fundamental part of training these things? Yeah, there's, there's a lot to that question. And I think that is a question to continue asking. Um, I think it's, it's great in general. Um, you, you mentioned synthetic data, and then you mentioned models training themselves. I'd say there's, um, there's a lot of different ways a model can train itself. Uh, so synthetic data, um, you can think of as kind of automatically created uh, data that uh, either a human creates with another software or another AI system, uh, and then feeds into the model to learn from. Uh, and that can be really good for, for giving a model a large amount of data. The downside is, Inherently, it's just not going to have the same level of diversity as a human mind um, at, the, at present. And this is the type of thing to continue to ask uh, and, and continue to, to analyze is, um, will synthetic data ever be as diverse, if not more diverse than the human mind? Um, we, we have our own limitations as people. We're not infinitely diverse. Uh, at least one, one human mind is not. Mm. And, um, and so uh, that's something to keep looking out for. And then there are other ways an AI model can train itself. Um, you could imagine an AI model um, uh, training itself uh, by uh, doing its own level of, uh, of uh, um, rating and, and ranking in a kind of reinforcement mm -hmm. learning way, so RLAIF, where um, 
you're asking the model to choose between the best responses and it chooses the best response of that and it gives certain ratings and, and so forth and, and that reinforces itself. Um, so that's another method. And then I think continuing to innovate and pioneer in this space is important. At the end of the day, um, whatever is the, the most effective way to train a model uh, to improve that model along uh, its, its ability to, to actually function, its ability to be safe, um, and any other dimensions that, that, uh, that you're trying to improve on with that model is the best. So if that's with humans, we should, we should pursue that. If that's in a more automated fashion or AI-driven fashion, we should do that. Mm, super interesting. So you said the dimensions uh, of you know what it is that we want for these models. And it's been something I've been thinking a lot about, particularly after listening to a talk by uh, Stephen Wolfram, uh, who I actually had on my personal channel a couple a couple years ago. Uh, and in that in that conversation before the whole AI thing happened, uh, we were talking about how the AI thing was coming and how to prepare for it. And the way that he suggested preparing for it is figure out what we want, uh, because soon we'll be able to delegate all of the how to the AI. First, I would like to ask, like, do you think that that's accurate? Like that we will be able to delegate all the, all either within the training or within actually applying AI to all these different things. Like how much of the how will we be able to delegate? Uh, and then coming back to like what it is we want and defining what we want, either in a business context or a personal context, like that seems to be the fundamental question. And I think a lot of people are going to end up like in sort of a crisis of faith because they will uh, not know what they want. Like dis discovering what we actually want is a huge existential question. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, and if not, then I can uh, uh, ask a specific question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sh I'd say short answer is I don't know. <laughs> long answer, long answer is I have some hypotheses. Um, uh, I like to think that humans will always be important in the process. Um, where in the process, what we do and so forth, I think is going to constantly change. I think there's, there's still a few years, if not over a decade, but, but, uh, I know folks, especially close in, in the AI community that are actually doing a lot of this research feel it's more like a few years that, um, that a humans will be kind of fully replaced in terms of the training of AI models, um, and again, whether it's a few years, whether it's over a decade, whether whether we see other nuances or complexities, I don't know. Um, but I think beyond training, humans play a critical role in monitoring. Um, and uh, and I think that will always need to be the case uh, in this. In, like, I, I think if you imagine that humanity stops monitoring AI, that might be the moment when we surrender ourselves to AI inherently. It's, it's saying, all right, we trust AI to do, to, to be the super intelligence for this, this society, this, this world we have. And, um, and we're not going to be the check, uh, on it. Now, monitoring itself, I think is, is going to be a space that continues to evolve. You can monitor AI systems with other AI systems. But then who monitors that monitoring process, right? Um, and, and so I think this can look like high, highly uh, advanced, uh, tailored firms that are doing this, that could look like government agencies that are doing this. This could look like um, the, the foundational model companies themselves, like OpenAI, Anthropic, et cetera, doing this. Um, could look like all of them. 
I know there's some nonprofits, especially right now, that are that are um, looking at this. Alignment Research Center is a uh, is a great one. Uh, they're they're specifically looking at how do we make sure that AI models uh, uh, don't break out of their constraints um, and uh, self replicate. Uh, so can mm. can for GPT four uh, create itself on a new software platform and start kind of self-functioning and then start to um, enter into writing competitions, make money, send that money to bank accounts. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what turned, what, what, what spirals there? So I do think like fundamentally this idea that, that we want AI to benefit humanity means humanity needs to be uh, kind of constantly um, entwined with what AI is doing. Now, I think that that will probably move away from the literal training um, of the model and then more towards um, more towards that monitoring space. Uh, I had a wonderful opportunity to interview one of the new hires at Invisible specifically. I'm sure you already know him, uh, Alexei Shrukin. Uh, and we did we did the the interview last time. And it also comes from another part that I got from Anthony Blardo, which is mechanistic interpretability. And so we went deep on it and we came up with this question of mechanistic interpretability. And for my listeners who didn't listen to that episode, it basically means that how much humans have an understanding of the inner workings at the neuron level of the neural network, like how much do we know of each of those subcomponents and what it contributes to what it's doing? My basic, and so we came up with this question is like, what percentage mechanistic interpretability do we have? Uh, and do you, first, I would love to understand your, your, your understanding of mechanistic interpretability, whether I got it right. Uh, and also I would like to understand like an estimate, uh, if you, of, of what you think, how much mechanistic interpretability we have and what are the interesting ways that we can actually increase that if at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm not close to, to literally, um, a kind of a professional opinion on mecha mechanistic interpretability. I'm a I'm a uh, an apprentice in this space as well. Um, uh, but I was thinking the other day, like a couple of days ago in the shower, um, just the complexity of the brain, man. <laughs> and so this this I, this idea of getting to know neural networks better and the different patterns and, and so forth. Um, there's a lot I think we need to learn, but. Any new learning we unlock, I think, will help us in figuring out how to train neural networks, how to train um, the, the next version of, of GPT, et cetera. Um, and so, um, uh, I, again, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know enough uh, within mechanistic interpretability to say, oh, this is the, the uh, kind of invalid part of the. Uh, um, research or, or the valid part or so forth but um that general direction is something i think is any i'm reading research papers all the time where it's like oh man that without this piece of uh without this piece of knowledge questioning insight we wouldn't be able to do x or y or z that we're seeing in ai models today and so um generally a big big fan of this mm. Uh, there's a question. There's a great question I had. Um, complexity of the brain. Uh, okay. I think I'm going to have to let it go, man. It was such a good question. Um, 
So what research? One, one yeah. thing that's just, just to, sorry to interrupt, but like one thing that's interesting to think about. So I'm, I'm vastly underqualified to be a head of, head of strategy for AI training. My background is not at all in data science, not even in programming. Um, the most programming I've done is, is like 10 hours on Code Academy and, um, and, uh, and fooling around with Python to, to try and make a tiny app. And, um, uh, and so, um, on, on the one hand, I'm constantly, uh, uh, kind of feeling like I'm an imposter, uh, in this, uh, in this space, um, and, uh, and aware that I might not know a lot of, a lot of details. Um, on the other hand, there's, there's so much knowledge and context going around that no one person can possibly, um, hold it all. And, uh, and we really need to um we we really need to work together essentially as a community um whether it's a community within a company or the, or the broader community of, of humans that are working on ai to um to be questioning things to be um uh learning uh things and then to be flagging concerns risks um opportunities and um and i think we've i i, I I think the AI community has done a pretty excellent job of doing this historically. Um, the amount of openly available research papers and so forth is, is incredible. Um, you throw you you can throw any kind of college student um, uh, kind of six months worth of reading, and they're going to be kind of in in the space. Maybe give them like a month of real world experience or so forth, and they're they're going to be able to catch up uh, to kind of 70% of the context that anyone in this space would, would have. Mm. Um, but uh, continuing to go deep in that is important. And you don't need to, you don't need to have the kind of programming background to, uh, to start to realize some patterns that are going on to start to flag some risks, etc. Um, you are certainly going to be limited and maybe some of the more technical aspects of things, um, as I as I find myself in uh, occasionally and and uh, that's why my my title is not head of uh, head of AI strategy. It's specifically AI training within the, the human feedback context. But um, this, uh, I, I think, for a lot of folks, maybe a lot of your listeners too, um, there there might be this kind of imposter uh, syndrome where it's like, well, I'm I'm in the middle of an AI revolution. I'm surrounded by geniuses. Who am I to be here? Uh, and um, and I think it's important to, to, to feel that way. It's good to feel that way, but it's also important to recognize that you actually do have a lot of power. Um, and for all the folks that I know, whether they're AI trainers that have come in from teaching backgrounds or, or just graduated college or what have you, and don't have much of a background, um, for those folks, like they're insanely impressive individuals. And so, um, uh, you're not an imposter in this AI revolution. You have a lot of power uh, to affect um, affect change. So it's I thought I'd throw that out. Yeah, that brings to mind something you said earlier, which is that each individual human brain has a huge amount of complexity, but we have our limitations as well. Um, yeah. But then if you have the linkages of minds together, then that also removes a lot of limitations. Although compared to infinity, maybe we all have limitations including groups of human beings including groups of ai enabled human beings like there are going to be limitations that we, you know we don't know what we don't know 
Uh, and, and so like at the individual level, there's so much complexity. And what you just talked about is that now in this AI space, there's a whole bunch of brilliant people, uh, a whole bunch of brilliant people who also feel imposter syndrome, because even no matter how brilliant you are, you're never going to be as brilliant as a group of human beings that are linked together. You're ne and you're never going to be as brilliant as the, the this new AI friend that we have now. Um, so like the, that imposter syndrome goes so, so deep, particularly where we are in this age of acceleration, where everything's rapidly accelerating. And, and as you said, it's impossible to keep up with everything going on. Like there's no hope that you can keep up with everything going on, let alone what's going on inside of the machine, as we were talking about with that mechanistic interpretability. Um, so anything you, you have to respond to that? Uh, and if not, I got a whole bunch of follow-up questions we can go into. Yeah, I mean, there, there are... Uh, there are limits to how much human can do. Uh, there's limits to how much a group of humans can do. So you could say there's limits to how much humanity can do. Um, but we don't we don't really know what those limits are. <laughs> and and so you in a way you can constantly push the limits. Um, and then I think like if you look at the group of humans that make up today's uh, population, our humanity of seven plus billion people. Um, uh, we are we are creating and innovating at a much faster pace than we did when we were um, 100 million people uh, or a billion people, um, and um, and and I'd say like much more than 7x uh, what we were when we were a billion people. We're probably doing like 70x or something like that. So it's exponential in terms of innovation to the average person. Uh, and so I think the more we can um, foster there's like the 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 capability of a human mind and it's like a question of okay how many human minds are you adding but there's also factors in which you can further um in, uh, uh kind of facilitate versus inhibit uh creativity translating into uh results translating into um uh positive innovation positive you could say it's like for the benefit of the mm. human human race or so forth um whatever kind of that positive orientation is that you want to index to um and so i think really encouraging creativity leaving space for experimentation um uh empowering folks giving folks the right kind of permissions and environment to make decisions to organize um to sell uh to to uh um uh to uh, connect uh um, with each other to, to build products and, and so forth. Um, that whole ecosystem uh, and marketplace, um, I think is, is critical to uh, continuing this kind of rapid um, stage of innovation. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and so, and you can even see that in a microcosm within some of these AI companies. So at Invisible, we're working with a number of the leading edge uh, firms that are developing AI models and um, I see the ones that are encouraging creativity and experimentation uh, and giving kind of uh, making sure that that's not too centralized, that there's not like one chief chief uh, science officer that's making all the all, calling all the shots. And instead, it's actually like individual researchers, scientists and so forth that are saying, hey, I'm, I'm curious about this. I have a hypothesis about this. I'm going to chase this down. I'm going to see what's going on. I'm gonna uh, have some power to work with some humans to give some human feedback to this model too, or I'm gonna work with a colleague uh, to, to go deeper here. Um, and then that leads, to, um, that leads to a discovery, that discovery leads to some decisions, and all of a sudden you've made progress. 
Um, and the companies that, that do that the best, that are able to have that decentralization, that experimentation, um, uh, whilst not causing kind of chaos, <laughs> um, uh, have moved the fastest. Um, I think the kind of first best example of that is like OpenAI has, has been a pretty decentralized firm and we've seen the results of that. Um, and, um, and then I think uh, I've seen kind of a lot of examples of, of both sides of this coin um, in different companies. Mm. Okay, very interesting. This goes into a, a question I had about the researchers. From my understanding, uh, we've got a whole bunch of researchers who have been working at this for a long time and they started to make breakthroughs maybe around 2015, 2016. Um, and these researchers basically turned into a sort of, uh, you know, like a function itself that started to create a lot of value. And I'll back, I'll set this up a little bit more. Um, you know, we have a, a timeline for innovation and starting in the 1950s and the 1960s, uh, you know, we took, we started to take innovation uh, and commercialize it. And that innovation, a lot of the research would happen at, at universities. Uh, and those universities would be working on stuff with no commercial application. Um, and then business interests started to get in, uh, get involved. But in order to make it profitable, you need to have some sort of timeline where investors will actually get their money back. And so that's where VC came along. VC started to actually put money into uh, universities, you know, in, in particularly around Silicon Valley and in, in Boston uh, and, and New York. Um, and they started to put money and actually make things commercially value, uh, valuable. And so now fast forward to the two big internet waves, and now we got the AI wave and that 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 taking something from a research phase and putting it into innovation and making it commercially viable is started that the 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 time frame under which that's happening is speeding up rapidly, um, and so now somebody proposed it a long time ago, for a couple of months ago, uh, like that programming may be going away. So that base level programming, it was already starting to go away with all the, you know, GitHub and all these things that you can plug and play. And like, you don't actually need to know the bare level programming to get it done. Um, and so that's, that might be going away. That's, that might be the first domino to fall. Um, then what does a programmer do? Well, the programmer might actually just know how to do all this software architecture, the system architecture. And then one step behind that, is like, how do you actually create these novel solutions, create these research things, all, all within the realm of computer science? Um, and it feels like that's gonna that's the main business from now on in terms of AI. Um, what, do you think that that's accurate? That what, or actually, a better question: What role do the researchers play, um, and what can we understand about research and its path to commercialization? Hmm, it's a good question. Um... I think we can we can look at the the frame of researchers and research research in a kind of parallel view as we do with training AI models and the trainers. Um, so kind of earlier on in this this uh, chat, we we talked about um, how we are training foundational models, uh, and then there's some amount of training that you can add on to models for specific use cases. Um, a lot of folks call this fine-tuning, um, and, and there's kind of different methods in that space. Um, I'd, I'd almost say that, like, in a similar way, in a, in a, in a more central and important way, uh, there's researchers that are doing foundational research <laughs> on how does a neural network learn. 
fundamentally and, and how do I actually like grow this brain um, uh, or create this brain or, or what have you um, that folks, especially at the likes of uh, OpenAI and Anthropic and so forth are conducting research on um, uh, or even in, in kind of a lot of these smaller firms that are starting mm -hmm. up. Um, but uh, but I'd also say that um, there's a good amount of research that should happen uh, after a model is created to figure out how is the model behaving in the real world or, or how is the model um, uh, able to learn from kind of real world data uh, or even you could, <laughs> this is a little stretching the definition of research, but you could say, how do we research um, how AI models can help the world um, and, and thus you, you would kind of enable uh, AI models within within the world. Um, and, and, and so everyone is a researcher in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, your mom's a researcher trying to figure out how can how can AI help her um, uh, go kind of re return her her uh, recently bought items from the store that she she want, uh, wants to get money back on her or what have you. Um, so that's a little bit of a, a stretch, but the the, the like the 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 that general frame that everyone is a researcher i think is um uh it's helpful to to think about why researchers are so important um and and then i think without a doubt that the folks doing the the foundational research on these models are, are really on the cutting edge um kind of some recent news on um what's going on in open ai with the the q star um stuff going on um, I don't know how much of that is is um, uh, crazy breakthrough things or how much of it is um, uh, speculation or, or a small advancement or nothing at all. But um, that just shows you that um, that that was not the entire team of 700 people at OpenAI working on that. That was like probably a small group of folks um, doing a lot of research and um, and uh, a small group of folks, let's say five people, can um, can make massive, significant breakthroughs. Um, and um, <laughs> and so the power of the human mind with these foundational yeah. researchers is is um, is is immense. Um, and uh, it's a it's pretty unpredictable though. Um, and. Um, uh, and so I don't necessarily have a prediction for you, or or, um, or kind of a, a sure way to say, oh, for sure, this is this is the trajectory of this company or this group of researchers because of um, uh, because of how many there are on the team or what have you. So really interesting. Uh, so many places we can go from here because I want to talk about like the tribal knowledge, the implicit knowledge that you have about how. What like I want to get all those lessons that you've learned as long as they're they're open to the, that they can be open to the public about everything you've learned so far in this giant like AI training thing that has just changed the world already like it's changing the world um, and there's also well actually let's go with that so um, the the what is the biggest thing that you've learned over the past three years as it relates to this idea? And you, we had talked about creativity and turning creativity into something, um, uh, you know, like innovation and everything like that. And from my understanding, like the thing that totally surprised me about learning about AI training is that it's not like programmers programming algorithms and all these like really technical concepts and such. 
it's from what my understanding, I know you have a better understanding. It's, it's help uh, training a human being how to then train the model. And that's a highly creative process because you're basically going through these conversations and hopefully I can talk about this where you, where you're basically, uh, uh, you've, you've got turns and you, and you teach you, you have one person play the role of the bot and you have one person play the role of the human being and you model it out. Uh, and then, so like, what is creativity to you? What have you learned about creativity? Um, and what have you learned about people in this process? What have I learned about creativity and what have I learned about people? Um, and then there was also just like that, that idea of tribal knowledge and making yep. it um, not tribal knowledge, yep. sharing, sharing it wide. Um, mind if I take a couple steps back and actually sure. say like, uh, actually start from uh, briefly, what's my story? How have I gotten into the space? And then, and then answer this. Um, so, uh, we, we started Invisible um, just over eight years ago now. And uh, at the time, uh, we, we, we had kind of very uh, varying ideas of what we wanted to do. Um, but the gist of it was very much what we're doing today, which is to be uh, one touch point for any sort of solution uh, that, that someone needs. Um, and, and to do that with a combination of people and technology. And we want to be on the cutting edge of technology and the cutting edge of of people to deliver these services. And, um, uh, and so uh, I myself uh, uh, kind of from very early on focused on operations within the company, helped build out the operations team from the ground up. Uh, and really up until uh, kind of a few months ago uh, here, I was focused on running our operations team uh, as head of operations. Um, the the big transition that's happened in the last year and a half within uh, not only invisible but the world as well as is really this kind of introduction of of um, powerful practical ai applications that can help automate a lot of uh, processes a lot of uh, processing of information um, and uh, and so that has taken a big uh, a big scene within invisible both because we are partnering with these companies developing these models as well as we're uh, implementing these models, we're enabling these models within these real world processes that we're running for our other clients. Um, we're working with clients uh, all over different industries, uh, food delivery, um, insurance, healthcare, financial services, et cetera, you name it. And, uh, and so it's become increasingly important that uh, Invisible, which is, is really in the center of this AI revolution, engaging with all the different parties and, and, and stakeholders, um, actually uh, becomes a, uh, a leader in the space of how, to, how to, to really make sure AI is benefiting humanity uh, and is allowing us to leap forward uh, and innovate. Um, and, uh, and so <clears throat> um, I've transitioned now to focus on um, uh, on on AI and specifically looking at the training of AI models um, and and what we can do there, which I think gets to your question around tribal knowledge. We have so much tribal knowledge at Invisible. Um, it's actually uh, um, it's it's a sin to have this much tribal knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the the we are we are um, hurting progress for um, for our peers for our colleagues for 
um, in some cases for kind of the wider world or different industries or, or so forth. Um, and, uh, and it's not good. And so um, I think we have both an obligation as well as a massive opportunity to be thought leaders in the space um, and to share what we know. Um, uh, and there's a whole lot of non-confidential information um, uh, and even kind of insights that we have created ourselves and we operate with internally um, that we can share with folks. Um, and so that is, um, that's a mission we're on. There's, there's five of us on the, um, uh, five going on, on to seven on the AI uh, training strategy team. And, and um, uh, one of the main goals here is um, to really take this tribal knowledge and systematize it. Our, our mission is to be on the forefront of understanding innovation and standardization for the AI training uh, of uh, foundational models um, and, and really making sure that that is benefiting uh, humanity. Um, so <clears throat> plus one to the, the, the question, <laughs> that's the question I'm, yeah. I'm asking yeah. myself. Very soon we'll be, we'll be publishing um, a lot of basics um, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, kind of what is AI training? How do we do this? Uh, and then a lot of um, stories, um, what we've done internally to standardize a lot of training. Um, uh, we want to do kind of uh, co-branded uh, use case papers that we've, uh, for, for things we've done with our clients, where we've been able to drive significant amounts of progress in the space of um, safety and the space of creativity within AI models reducing hallucinations um etc and so um uh there's uh there's a lot we want to we want to share there mm -hmm. um to your question around um creativity and people um uh how how should i best uh, answer that in the context of um well context and we can yeah we can reframe this because it's yeah. that's what i'm trying to get at is what you're talking about and it's so cool that you guys are doing that uh so can we actually start if we can talk about who are the five uh to seven people that are that are already on the team or who may be joining oh my gosh i am uh i am so lucky to, to be in this team um we've literally each and every person is their own version of of a genius um john patricio uh very well known internally is uh our director on the team uh for um for the the strategy and john's been at the forefront of some of our most important work with uh with clients he's created uh, uh many different frameworks for how to train uh models more effectively and um and so he is a key player and then we've brought really a, um, a lot of various minds from different parts of our, our AI training team together. Um, <clears throat> we've got uh, Fernando uh, Furundarena. I think I pronounced that right, but, but uh, he'll, he'll have to check me on that. Uh, we've got Henry Castro, Andre Iliescu. Um, these are folks that have been working very closely with John historically. They themselves have been um, uh, also involved in the kind of creation of different frameworks. Um, we've got Sarah Eastland, uh, who has been um, core to training uh, so many members of the team. And what does it mean to do AI training? Mm -hmm. uh, she's uh, um, got a, a PhD um, in um, forgetting the specific field, but in in um, some form of, of language and 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 uh, um, 
and she's just an incredible teacher. Uh, and then, I go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we've got Dakota Oberon, who's going to be joining us shortly, uh, or, or is kind of most half joined us. He's he's, um, uh, he's a recent father, so congrats mm-hmm. to him. And um, and uh, and he's also going to um, do a lot of great stuff on the team. So it's it's really a team of kind of different superheroes. Uh, everyone's got. Uh, everyone's got super strength, uh, but then everyone on top of that has got, <laughs> has got their own uh, unique things. Um, and uh, and there's this idea of uh, kind of encouraging creativity and experimentation, uh, it, it, it giving, uh, in, it empowering decision making, um, and um, uh, that that is something that's core to what we're doing. We want to have a culture of, of heavy reading and writing on the team and sharing what we're thinking. Um, and really create a, a kind of weird, funky powerhouse of, of brains on the team to, to, to take all of this knowledge that we're getting, which right now is pretty tribal, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and turn it into something that actually helps uh, the company, helps our clients, and, uh, and then helps uh, really everyone. Cool. Okay, so let's drill down on that. So we've got this team of five to seven people, some of whom I know, some of whom I don't. Uh, very, you know, as you said, geniuses. Definitely, John Patricio is is really interesting to talk to because he's just figured out all these things. He's gone in and figured it out on all these different clients, um, and very excited to to feel to hear about that. I'm going to repeat back what I think the goal is. Essentially, the goal of this this new team is to uh, take all of that tribal knowledge that you guys have developed from being this core partner to large tech companies and creating LLMs, and then uh, synthesizing that, figuring out how to make it uh, uh, um, actionable, and then spreading it out, spreading the parts that we can spread out outside of Invisible to start building some momentum. And I'd like to then bring in another question, which is, or maybe even like a fact checking, which is, I have this understanding that a lot of these researchers that we were talking about were very surprised at the level of human grunt work that was required in order to do this AI training. Um, And that invisible in this sort of magical way that already had built this process, these processes for uh, delivering really valuable human work, uh, basically stepped in and became this really integral part of of this AI revolution. Is that an accurate representation? Uh, Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, And um, I think that uh, we've spoken to a lot of researchers that um, uh, had a hypothesis um, way back back, a few years ago that, okay, 2022 is like based on what we're seeing with how neural networks are, are learning. That's what we're going to need more human feedback. Yeah, um, uh, I think the scale of it is was a surprise uh, to a lot of folks, and I think especially the um, the the long term staying power of the human mind is a big surprise to a lot of folks. Um, and uh, and so I, I do know like some folks that um, uh, have wanted to have massive scale in terms of human feedback, but in in kind of short targeted time periods, um, and then they do that massive scale. <laughs> we want more, um, and um, and we're we're we have never 
um, at Invisible, we have actually never churned uh, or reduced a, a size of the team because a company didn't have the need for mm. um, uh, for more human generated data. Um, we have uh, only ever increased or after an extremely large increase kept that size of the team and continue to deploy them on many things. Um, there is just opportunities left and right uh, for how AI models can improve and specifically how humans can can be at the, the forefront there. Mm -hmm. um, and I can I can kind of say say more there, but that is um, that is uh, um, part of the the surprise that I think has has um, uh, that has taken researchers. And so now you guys have all this tribal knowledge that you've built solving that problem in this unexpected way that very few people understood, um, but was actually integral to the core part of Invisible first starting, which is the magic wand, human in the loop, human's always going to be important. Right. That vision proved accurate, which is kudos to you guys as the founding team, because I know you guys got gone through the phase of eating a lot of glass for a long time. So uh, it's it's wonderful to see that it's actually happening, uh, and and it has been happening for quite some time if now. You haven't, yeah. If you haven't interviewed Francis yet on what Cheeky was, uh, you should check it out. Invisible actually was birthed um, from a community of idea generating people, um, and Francis as the synthesizer of those ideas, but. Um, yeah, that's a that's a whole interview itself. <laughs> uh, and I'd like to do do more of those too because it's like we we've, we're, we're like this this tribal knowledge that we're getting at is really interesting and timely. Uh, but then the whole story of Invisible is just like a brilliant story that I've you know been paying attention to for a long time and and uh, was once a client to you guys in in 2018. Um, and uh, okay, so and then so we've got all this tribal knowledge of playing this really important part in this this large wave. Uh, so what are the top three things that are currently not explicit that you want to make explicit? Let me think about that. What are the top three things that are not explicit that we want to make explicit? And specifically related to this tribal knowledge that you have. Like what, what if if you can think about it, and what I'm trying to do is like spark something, some sort of thing that's in your head that, that is in there. Uh, and, and basically... There's there's some a huge amount of things that you figured out over the past couple of years. Like, what are those things that you guys figured out about how to leverage human insight and creativity to contribute to this thing? Like, was it you know figuring out this JSON kind of like uh, you know taking this JSON from this format and putting it into another format? Uh, was it like understanding uh, what motivates human beings? Uh, you know, was it something about human dynamics and the way that a team comes together in order to produce a result? Um, was it having yeah. something? To, yeah, anything there? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of this, like explicit, the explicit things that we're going to speak to with the most confidence are going to be more kind of foundational principles around um, around AI training, uh, rather than saying, hey, this is the one method that rules them all. <laughs> Everyone needs to follow this yeah. um, because uh, uh, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. We're constantly learning. Um, and uh, and so we're going to we're going to focus more on the principles. I don't know what the top three would be right up right off the bat, but I mean, you you kind of uh, started uh, spitting off some that, that could be uh, good ones, but like, um, what is the what is the most uh, you could go into like, why is the human mind important versus like RL, RLHF versus RLAIF, 
uh, or, or other related means of generating data to train models. That's like, you could, you could go deep into the underlying principles of why RLHF is important right now. Um, and over the next kind of in the foreseeable future, um, we can uh, go deep in terms of like, how do you most effectively get kind of high quality results within RLHF, uh, high diversity results. And so we could explain kind of uh, how we organize our team, how we orient folks and, and so forth. Um, I think uh, having a good partnership and collaboration with researchers is another one, another area that we've strived within. Um, we also do a lot of model evaluations um, ourselves at Invisible. Um, uh, and some of our clients use this much more than others. Uh, some clients uh, don't, uh, don't um, ask for this, but um, we've been able to, with something that's hard to measure, we've been able to do a, quite a lot of measurements with uh, various models and, and see how, how they improve over time with what data sources and inputs and, and so forth. Um, and so, again, these are going to anchor more towards some kind of uh, underlying principles and patterns that we're seeing, uh, rather than, hey, this is the one framework and model to, to be the best. Um, but that that's probably where you'll get the most explicit thing. And then I mentioned a lot of case studies that we want to do. So that's where I think some of the more literal examples of, hey, this is where we've seen this work uh, in action um, play out. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Uh, so a lot and, of questions. Um, yeah, go for it. And and uh, I'll actually restate. So I'll I'll restate our mission. Um, I'll read off like our our actual full mission statement, uh, which I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, which is to be at the forefront of the understanding, innovation, and standardization of the training of artificial intelligence for the benefit of humanity. There's a lot of pieces within that, but the the, the kind of three main things that we're focused on is the understanding, innovation, and standardization um, of the training of artificial intelligence. And so um, a lot of, I think, what um, a lot of what we're going to be writing about is um, how we've standardized things, right? Like, hey, these are the, these are the, um, the, the principles that, that um, we have implemented across the board. Uh, within our operations, within how we're training these models and so forth. Um, but the understanding and the innovation being at the forefront of those is, is going to be a constantly, yeah. uh, a constant journey. Um, yeah. There's so much we don't understand and there's so much I don't understand, right? Um, I'll, uh, I'll do a little bit more reading on mechan mechanistic interpretability. Uh, but no, there's, there's just an infinite amount of information to digest and, and, um, and, and so we want to continue to, to be at the forefront there of understanding and, and also asking ourselves questions that, that no one's ever asked before to, to go deeper into. Mm -hmm. uh, and certainly there's, there's the innovation side of things. So experimenting, seeing where we might be wrong and, and so forth is another big area. Um, so I uh, just wanted to kind of pare back that, that synthesis for you. Very cool. Yeah, I got it. So basically understanding innovation and standardization. Um, and then the standardization piece is going to be very important for uh, like all the things you guys have done, have done for that explicit thing. And that can be a little bit more static, but the, the understanding and innovation are going to be very dynamic. Uh, and so while you're saying that, I got the question and, and hopefully it's not too much like uh, to give to the public, but, uh, you know, does Invisible become a boutique research firm? Are we going to become a research firm? Are we researchers? Or, or are we operationals, operationers? 
uh, certainly not going to be our, our, our four, uh, kind of highest selling product. Um, but, uh, definitely, uh, right now we are doing a research for the sake of our clients. Yeah. Um, we spin out research as a service as a separate thing. Um, I know in our, within our infinity constellation, we have an idea of that, um, foundation uh, is the name of the company. Um, Francis has a lot of ideas in that space. Haley Darden is doing a lot there. Um, uh, so uh, that could take a lot of different shapes, but, um, research is core to, um, uh, research is core to any company that is, uh, at, at a given yeah. size. Um, and, and, and any research is important to back up decision-making. So some companies are r rather small from an operational standpoint, but uh, rather uh, making rather uh, large impactful decisions like hedge funds investing a billion dollars you want to do a lot of research behind that billion dollars that you're going to do so as we get larger as an organization and some of our decisions investment decisions uh, resource allocation decisions etc become uh, uh, more impactful we want to back that up with research um, and that's, the AI space is going to be big on that one one of the first pieces we want to publish is actually our own um, our own just kind of very public um, uh, analysis of what are uh, what are the recent trends we're seeing uh, across the different AI models that are available to the public. Um, and you, you you can probably Google 100 different researches and studies on this uh, that, that each say their own thing and it's important to to constantly brush up on these because the, the, the synthesis changes every couple months um and um <clears throat> and and so we want to do our own uh not only because i think we're in a uh, we're exposed to a lot of uh, ai models and we want to get our voice out there uh, but we also probably have a pretty unique take yep. and so we could even uh part of the the research we want to do is um looking at some of these models within the frame of uh, invisible's service so which models are the best for customer service use cases yeah. um, which uh, which models are the best for compliance um, which models are the best um, if you're a healthcare company that wants to do x or y or z right um, so how deep we go there in our first version we'll, we'll see but um, uh, basically doing a study of the top eight models out there or something like that and and um, it, it comparing them their effectiveness to their price to their um, uh, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree that Invisible has something special, which is the fact that it's not just research in the academia. academia. It's not just like, um, what do they call it? The ivory tower. Um, and it's not just a bunch of, uh, please excuse my, uh, you know, if anybody's listening to this in the tech world, but, uh, uh, basically like nerds, not just a bunch of nerds, although we have our nerds, uh, uh we like invisible is very smart. It's like, how do you actually apply this to business? It feels like invisible's knowledge is, is, is the best. I mean, like who, who is better than invisible at applying, uh, AI to, to, I mean, open AI, maybe like. Uh, uh, who knows? What What do you think on that? Is Is Invisible the best, or are there other other people out there? Uh, I think there's a lot of other people out there that are um, uh, that are trying to be the best yeah. in this space. Um, I think Invisible is uh, one of the best positioned in this space, and I'd argue the the best positioned in this space. Yeah. Um, though the the landscape's moving so fast, um, uh, if we don't do a good job. Uh, we'll blink six months from now. 
um, we'll find ourselves uh, as the number two or number four players in the space or what have you. Um, but uh, <clears throat> um, there's there's a lot there's a, a number of different companies in this space. There's also a lot of independent thinkers, independent minds, a lot of productivity um, gurus and things like that that are um, actually doing some like have some pretty uh, insightful uh, um, uh, pieces of knowledge that they they discover and share very regularly. Mm. Okay, so last that's a fast, fast moving space. Yeah, last few minutes. Uh, and hopefully this is too big of a question to ask in the last few minutes, but uh, uh, what does it feel like to be part of a company that, because you were there from the very beginning, uh, like is so small to so big? And how does that feel um, to be part of something that's now way bigger than what you originally started with? It's deeply satisfying. Um it's, I think it's one of the most deepest forms of satisfaction you can get. It's the opposite of eating a cake and getting your, <laughs> your taste buds uh, sending positive signals to your brain. Um, it's, um, it, it just really warms your entire body, uh, your heart. Um, the thing that, that uh, is the deepest satisfaction to me, uh, for me when I think about it is just how many lives we've impacted. Um, we have over 2,000 people working with Invisible today, um, uh, employees and contractors, partners and, and agents, and, um, and uh, practically everyone is um, making a livelihood off of Invisible. Um, many folks' lives have been changed. Um, uh, uh, even like five years ago, some of the folks we're bringing onto the team and, and impacting their lives had such inspiring stories. Fast forward to now, and that has exponentially grown. Um, and uh, and so deeply satisfying. The, th the things we've done for our clients is immense. Um, when COVID first broke out and restaurants were shut down, we were able to to literally get tens of thousands of restaurants back online. Oh. Interesting. Um, getting getting paid um, because we helped uh, onboard their restaurants um, when food delivery companies had no one else to, to go to. Um, they were having engineers within their their organization uh, digitizing menus so that they could onboard restaurants that were just stuck in their backlog. Um, so that's that's just thousands of families that we were able to to make sure they're back in business. Um, and, and that's just one example of a client story. The things we've done in the AI space uh, has, has been immense. Some things we've done in the healthcare space and, and so forth. And we're just getting started. Um, I, I tell this story all the time, but uh, Invisible uh, very early on in our history had run out of money. Uh, we had a very aggressive business model that uh, we were not able to keep up our, our growth, our operations, our, our tech, nor our fundraising. Uh, with and um, and and right and and certainly like a lot of folks were leaving when when we announced that hey we were running out of money. Um, obviously, if you want to leave, you can. And um, and uh, Francis was in this race to uh, see who would who would stay into the team and and kind of commit to a longer time period. And we didn't have any engineer uh, say hey uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay. And our CTO at the time. Uh, was reflecting and he, he, uh, he was telling Francis, you know, Francis, when I think of what I want to do next, um, I think of either 
helping cure cancer or helping humanity get to Mars. Those are two things that I kind of deeply personally care about. And I think like I, as a human being can, can affect change in that space. Um, and this, uh, and, and um, so Francis asked him, he said, okay, which one do you want to do? Uh, Francis would obviously back him up in whatever his, his, um, his actual ambition was. And uh, he said he didn't know, of course, because if he did, I'm sure he would have left and focused on on joining a startup or company in that space. Um, and Francis' reply was uh, essentially saying, hey, join Invisible, stay at Invisible, and we can do both. We can help companies do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can also help companies do every every other thing. And I think we're living that today. Now we haven't we haven't yet started uh, to directly help cure cancer or get humanity to Mars. Um, SpaceX needs to become a client still, uh, and uh, we need to get some more health tech firms in there as well. Um, but uh, this idea that um, we are um, helping uh, the food delivery space innovate. We're helping the healthcare space innovate, the financial services space innovate, the AI, generative AI space innovate um, is, um, is immense. We're the engine powering this innovation. So that's, um, that's the deeply satisfying part. Beautiful. Uh, how can our listeners, if anybody's listening from the Invisible team, if they have any questions or uh, if anybody's wanting to join Invisible, uh, how can they find out more about you and your work? Uh, we'll be publishing a lot soon. Um, uh, some basics first and then really kicking into next year. We'll be uh, sharing a lot. Um, if you have any uh, recommendations, um, definitely send them our way. Um, you can shoot a note to me if you're at the company um, through any of our, our channels and um, uh, and um, looking forward to innovating uh, and furthering our understanding together. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cameron. Onwards. Hey, thanks for tuning into Plain Sight, presented by Invisible. If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button and consider sharing with your network. If you're interested in learning more about how Invisible helps teams cut costs and scale, visit our website at invisible.co. See you next time.